you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them quickly. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 5 through 13. This is what it says. It says, when he had entered Capernaum, the he being Jesus, by the way. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him appealing to him, requesting of him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, Jesus says back, he says, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. How many know that when God speaks, it has to happen, right? His word never returns void. So the promises of God are yes and amen. The things that he says will come to pass. Only say the word. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go and he goes. To another come and he comes and to my servant I say do this and he does it when Jesus heard this he he marveled and said to those who followed him said to those who go to church around him this is what he said to them to those that followed that followed him truly I tell you with no one in Israel have I found such faith I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there will be wailing, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you. As you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Father, we thank you for, for your word today. We thank you. And Jesus, I pray right now that every heart here would be open. That you would soften each and every one of our hearts in this place. Lord, that this word that you've given today, God, would find fertile soil in each and every one of our hearts because our hearts and our minds are fixed upon you and how we pursue you and how we want to come after you. I pray that any offense would be bound in heavenly places. That, God, you would loose your perfect unity. God, the conviction of who you are to draw us, to draw us unto yourself pray that right now let this word challenge us God so that by the time we leave here today we will have declared with our mouths and with our hearts we only want you Jesus we only want you I pray that right now Lord I pray that right now by your spirit let it be done in Jesus name and everybody said
Amen, amen. Listen, guys, before you're seated, high five seven people. Tell them they say, God's still moving. God's still moving. God's still moving. Well, good morning, CWC. How are we doing this morning? Are we good? Are we good? Some of you, two of you, three, maybe five. Maybe five are good. Well, I know it's good to, to see you uh, this morning, that's for sure. And man, didn't we have a, an amazing weekend this weekend? Amen. It was, a, it was an incredible weekend. Over a hundred of us came here together with one purpose, on one mission, to worship the one true God. That's, that's why we, we gathered. And by the way, that's why we call it the night of, of one, right? Because we've got, we've got one heart, one mind. We're going after him with everything that is, that is within us. We show up here to worship the name that is above every other name. To worship the King of kings and the, and the Lord of lords. And, and look, because that was our intention and our attention was placed upon Jesus, God showed up in a tangible way. God showed up in such a, a tangible way. Because God always shows up when his people put their eyes on him. When his people desire him. Shows up for him. It's incredible. But you know, I was, I was thinking about something. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how, I don't want to use the word amazes me, but, but it astounds me is a better word. It astounds me how I will be in the exact same room, right? The exact same room. And I'll look around the room, right? I'll be surveying the room, trying to, trying to hear from God. Like, God, is there something else you want to do in this moment? Where, where do you want to lead? Where do you want to go? And I'll be looking around that room and looking at the people in the room. And it astounds me that, that they are in the exact same room. And some people will be getting wrecked by the presence of God. Completely destroyed by the Spirit of God. Some will be lying and crying. Others will be dancing and laughing and, and clapping. Right? They'll be seeing and tasting that God is, is good. Right? And I'll look around the, the room. And in the same room, remind you, the same room. I'll look around and there'll be other people who are, are standing and just staring as if God's not moving whatsoever. As if they're not experiencing nothing and they're in the exact same place. And see, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he's no respecter of person in the, text, in, in the, in the, in the context of, you know, he's going to fall on you because of your name or because of your position. or because No, 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 no. God wants to touch each and every one of us with an immeasurably more portion of his goodness and of his, his love. See, he wants us to encounter him. He wants us to connect with him. He, he wants that. And, and, we, and we know this is true because of what Jesus did for us. We know what I'm saying is true because of what Jesus did for us. See, see the Bible says that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom not like partially a little tiny crack through no 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 it ripped from the very top clear to the very bottom and, and why is this significant why is this significant because see the, the the veil served as a barrier or a blockade between God and the people See, see, that veil stood in between us and the presence of God. The veil kept men and women at arm's length away from the presence of God. Is exactly what it did. 
But see, when he who knew no sin became sin, when the perfect lamb of God was slain for the sins of the world, because he was obedient to death, even death on the cross, in that moment, he destroyed every barrier, every blockade that stopped us from encountering him in great measures and in remarkable measures were completely destroyed because he's the undefeated one. Remember, he's completely undefeated. Never ran into an obstacle he didn't overcome. So that, so that you and I could experience him in a tangible, real encounter type of way. He tore the veil. He tore the veil. So now, if anyone fixes their eyes, fixes their hearts upon him and surrenders to him, they will encounter him. They will encounter him. We're no longer at arm's length away from him, but rather God uses his arms to pull us into him, right? Like he will reach out and grab you and pull you directly into who he is and into his, his goodness. It's, it's literally incredible. It's incredible. So why? Why is it that, that we'll be in the same room worshiping with the, a bunch of people in the same place and people are having two totally different experiences in the same moment and in the same place? Why? It's a real question that requires us to come up with a real answer. And I don't want you to shout it out in the middle of the, the service, right? Like, However, I do want you to really contemplate it, really think about it, really figure out why this takes place. If it's you, and listen, I'm not saying that this doesn't happen to me. It happens to me on multiple occasions. I look around, I feel like Jacob. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I never even knew it. Didn't even know. Didn't even know. It's a real, real question that requires us to, to give a real answer. And, and I'm believing this, that, that as we walk through our main text for the day on this journey that we're going to be on, and believe me, you're going to have to stick with me to follow me today. We, we got a lot of moving parts. Amen. So if you check out, you will miss what God has for you today. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, don't check out. Tell them, don't check out. And, but I'm believing and praying that, that by the end of today, man, that it will be revealed to us why these types of things take place in our lives because it's so important to understand it. It's so important to understand and to receive the presence of God and to be touched by the, the presence of God. You know why? Because, you know, that is all that matters. <clears throat> it's absolutely all that, all that matters. There is nothing else. There is absolutely nothing else. Yeah, yeah, but pastor, you know, I got a family. I got da, da, da. So do I. In comparison to him and his presence, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He is all that matters. And, and so while I was praying, right, I was praying, God, what, what direction do you want me to take, right? Because there's multiple ways I can go. I mean, the miracles, God's still moving in the modern. Man, that's exciting and it's amazing. And I love it, by the way. You guys enjoying the series so far? Yeah. Amen. Five of you. So... <clears throat> I'm gonna take that as if you are actually hearing me, right? Like you're intently listening and hanging on every word. I'll ignore the body language that is saying you aren't listening, but praise God. 
But as I was praying, God, where do you want me to head today? Where do you want your people? What do you, what do you want to speak to them? And he spoke so clearly to me. He said, tragedy has the ability to bring about reality. Tragedy has the ability to bring about a certain reality. See, the, the fact of the matter is, is this, right? I look around the room and I've walked through some of you through some really difficult tragedies. Right? I've walked right with you. And you've walked with me through some difficult tragedies and tribulations and trials and all these things. And, and so this is real, right? Like trials and tribulations and tragedies that we encounter, they are real. Because the fact of the matter is this, right? There is an enemy that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. We live in a fallen and in a broken world. We, we live in, a, in, in an age where the God of this age has blinded their eyes, where the prince of the power of the air has manipulated the hearts of men and women. And because this is the reality of life, that means that we will run into and encounter tragedies along the way. Tragedy does have the ability to bring about certain realities in our lives. And because this is where the Lord led us today, man, I know that God has a rhema word for this morning. I believe it. It's been like a fire shut up inside of my bones that I can't get it out quick enough. That's why I was praying like, Lord, make me calm down because this thing is just welling up and I gotta get it, I gotta get it out to you. A rhema word, meaning a fresh word, a timely word, a lofty word, a heavenly word where it's gonna impact us in, in a time as such as, as this to get us through this thing called life. Because to come here and hear some really nice things and Enjoy each other and pat each other on the back. You know what I mean? That's all good. I, like, I love it, by the way. I love it. I love the good pats on the backs and the hugs. I'm a hugger. My wife is not, but I am. I'm a hugger. She's not. And I enjoy all of that, man. I do. I love it. But if we don't receive something from God that takes us from here to live it out there, then what good are we doing here? What is the point of all of this anyway then? What's the point of it? Well, I left church feeling good. Okay, cool. I'm glad you felt good. But did you leave with something tangible that's going to change your life? That's going to transform your life? That's going to conform you into the image and likeness of Christ? Or have you not? And if we haven't, then man, we've been robbed of even the greater thing. We've been robbed of the greater thing. Because here is the, the truth, man. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us joy unspeakable. That it's so great we can't even describe it. Man, it's, it's amazing. Even though I'm dealing with this, that, and the third, man, I still got joy. And it's unspeakable. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. I have no idea. I'm walking through this tragedy. I'm walking through this trial. I'm walking through all these different things in my life, but I got joy. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He came to give us peace, unsurmountable peace, that the enemy cannot overcome it. He can't. He said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Came to give us life and life more abundantly. And he gave us those things, not for future tense, like in a heavenly sense, although that is true. Although that is true. Heaven's gonna be incredible. It's going to be incredible. I mean, the way the Bible describes it, man, it's going to be incredible. 
However, however, it's not just for heavenly places. It's for us right now and right here. It's for us to be able to take it from here and live it out there. And live it out there. He came to give us all these things. All these things, but the enemy wants to blind us to it. Wants to cause us to miss it. And all these things that he came to purchase on our behalf, we can really be in danger of not ever attaining them. Never attaining them. Because we're, we're missing, missing them. I don't, I don't know where to turn in the midst of tragedy. I don't know what to do in the midst of tragedy, trials and tribulation. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And so I exhaust all these other possibilities and, and God's saying, all you gotta do is turn to me. All you gotta do is, is give it to me. See, the victory that Jesus came to give us can be missed by us. It absolutely can be missed. Now notice I didn't say lost for us, by the way, because he's never lost a battle. He's, he's never lost a battle. So it's not as though it'll be lost for us but it can be missed by us. We can miss the, the victorious life that Jesus has called us into if we don't know how to deal with the life and the things that we encounter in this life. And, and I don't know about any of you, I'm just gonna shoot in the dark here, right? Pray I hit something, hit one of you. But man, I, I don't wanna miss what God has for me. <laughs> Listen, I spent years and years missing what God had for me. Letting the enemy beat me up. Letting the enemy ring me through the ringer. I'm done with that crap. I'm done with that garbage. He's under my feet. I'm the head, not the tail, in Jesus' name. I'm blessed in my coming. I'm blessed in my going. Because it's been revealed to me because of what I've heard about Jesus and trying to continue to stay with him. I'm so sick of the enemy blinding the people of God to the promises of God. I'm sick of it causing us to miss out what God has for us. And so when I was praying, Lord, okay, all that stuff, say all that to get to the, to the, to the message, praise God. Amen. I'm on a roll today. I'm on a roll today. I'm praying. God says to me, tragedy has the ability to bring about a real reality. And he leads me to the story of the centurion found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. <clears throat> Which, to be really transparent with you for just a moment, right, really honest, threw me way off, completely threw me off. I was like, what are you talking about, Lord? Because <laughs> I've read this story, I don't even know how many times. So many times, in fact, that when God spoke it to me, I knew exactly where he wanted me. Like in the instant that he, that he said it, I knew right where he wanted me without calling on Google and its omniscient power. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I wish that was the case every time. It's not. <laughs> Sometimes God speaks, I gotta start Googling. <laughs> like, Lord, where's that at? Right, like, but this time I, I, didn't, I didn't have to. I knew exactly where it was and I flipped it open and began to read and he's speaking tragedy, has the ability to bring about a reality and I'm like, what? What, what do you mean? Because see, in this story of the centurion, right, what we see is, is that Jesus up to this point in his life, up to this point in his ministry had been performing many miracles. Many miracles. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he performed so many miracles that his fame grew and grew throughout the region. He was getting recognized. People were hearing. They were hearing of what Jesus had, had been doing. And so when he entered Capernaum in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8, when he entered there, 
this centurion had already heard what Jesus had done. He had already heard. He already knew of his exploits. You know how I know? Because of what he requested. That would be a random request or claim. If you came up to me, right, and I'm just walking down the street, I don't know you, you you're just like, hey, do this. What? What? So his, his, his claim and his request tells us that he already heard of Jesus' exploits. He already knew of the miracles of God. He already knew it. And because he heard what Jesus had done, he came running for Jesus. He came running for, when he heard. By the way, this is the power of hearing. This is the power of hearing. This is why Jesus is constantly telling us, those of you with ears, hear. Those that have ears, let them hear. This is the power of, of hearing. And not like in a dismissive way, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, like when you're telling your spouse, stop being late for everything, and you're like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, I hear you. <laughs> Mom tells you to clean your room. I get it, I get it, I hear you, I hear you. Not in a dismissive, lackluster type of way of hearing, where our body language is saying everything we need it to say. Do you know your outward posture is, is indicative of your inward posture? It just is, whether you want to believe it or not. Well, you don't know my heart. No, okay, God does, praise the Lord. It's cool, I don't need to. <laughs> I'm just doing what God tells me to do. You gotta take the word from there, not me. <clears throat> but, but actually hearing. Not saying we're listening, but we're actually not hearing anything. And we all know exactly what I mean. See, see when we're hearing something, when we're hearing it, and we're on the edge of our seats. We're, we're hanging on to every single word that is coming at us and we're sifting through it, holding on to what is good and disregarding what is bad and saying, give me more, Jesus. We can't take notes fast enough and we can't get home to listen to it again quick enough. We can't read it again quick enough when we're actually hearing. When we're, we're hearing, this is the power of, of hearing. And this centurion in this story had been hearing about Jesus. And it caused him to, to go and find Jesus, to go pursue Jesus. And when he, he found Jesus, he makes a request of Jesus. He makes a claim to Jesus. And what I found to be really, really interesting here that the Lord pointed out is how his request of Jesus, hear me, his request of Jesus lined up with what he heard about Jesus. That's actually really powerful. You don't even know. His request of Jesus lined up with what he heard about Jesus. So many times, so many times our request of God isn't lining up with who God is. Our lack of requests of God doesn't line up with what we've heard about God. This is why we find ourselves just dealing with things, sicknesses. We, we don't pray for the cancer because the cancer is just too big. We don't, we don't pray for it. We don't pray for it. We don't ask for things at times because we just think they're too big for God to do or God's just too busy, whatever, whatever the case is. You can fill in that blank of why, why you don't ask God. We receive not because we ask not. 
we receive not. Listen, we deal with sickness. We deal with all these hurts and all these pains because it just is what it is. I hate that saying. Oh, it is what it is. How about it is what it ain't? How about Jesus can conquer is what it is? How about that? Right. So many times, man, I, 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 because of the call on my life, right, I, I have to go into really difficult situations, super hard. Always praying for God to guide me and, and keep me right there and give me wisdom. But go into hospital settings a lot. And I, I hate hospitals, I'll be honest. It's just, I, I just hate them. I say most people don't like them, but, but I go in there and it never fails. It never fails. Every time I go in to pray with somebody, every time, they say, pray that the surgery goes smooth, pastor. Pray that, that God will, 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 will guide the hands of the doctor. Okay, I hear you, cool, yeah. But, but how about this? How about we pray for a healing in Jesus' name? Then later, if, if the healing doesn't come, right? If it, if it doesn't, then yeah, we'll, we'll pray that. But right now, let's believe God for a healing, a complete healing. Where the doctors come in and say, what in the world just happened? What just happened? You were just this and now you're this. What happened? I've had it happen in my life. I've had it happen in my life. I had my ACL blown out, completely blown out. On a Friday, went to the doctor. It's blown out, MRI, all of that, done. Coming here on a Sunday morning, I'm preaching by coincidence in the, in the James, book of James chapter five, where it says, where it says to call the, the elders together. Have them anoint you with oil, pray so that your sins may be forgiven and your body may be healed. They pray for me. Monday morning, by the end of that day, Sunday, I couldn't walk, okay, I couldn't walk. I preached, by the way, though, on crutches. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. We push through around here, you know what I mean? We don't let sickness keep us, so I'm just kidding. Anyway, so if you'd have been here Friday night, you know what I'm saying. But um, yeah, so, so I show up to church to preach. I'm on crutches. I can't, I can't put any weight on this leg at all. Zero weight. Cannot do it. So much pain. They pray for me. By the end of the day, Sunday, I'm walking up and down steps with no crutches, no pain, no nothing. Go Monday to go in and get the time of my surgery. The doctor says, what happened? What did you do to your leg? I wish I could have said, well, Jesus, right? I, I wish I had said that. I, I should have. I was a pastor. <laughs> but I didn't. I said, what are you talking about? My wife said, God healed him. I needed my wife to cover me. Amen. <laughs> happens a lot. <laughs> that actually happens quite often. Praise the Lord. She covers me a whole bunch. God miraculously healed an ACL that was gone. It was torn. They could grab that thing like a wet noodle and just wing this, this leg, just everywhere. The doctor grabs it and says, what did you do? It's completely healed. Amen. Completely healed. Takes another MRI, it's healed. He's like, get out of here, dude. See ya. Cool. Deuce. Out. Completely healed. No pain. Nothing. This is the healing of God. This is the power of God. This is what God will do. See, sometimes what we've heard about him, our request isn't lining up with who he is. It isn't lining up and we deal with all kinds of stuff we don't have to deal with because the enemy is trying to blind us to it. Trying to lie, lie to us so we don't pursue it and pursue him. And I'm so sick and tired of the enemy stealing what God has already purchased on behalf of me. He already did it. By his stripes, I am healed. 
Not maybe, could be, I am. The divine healing of God's is ours in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. That's the Bible. I don't know what else to tell you. And we can wish it away and we can do all this other theological stuff in the wills and all these things. God's word says, it says, by his stripes you are healed. That's what it says. It ain't my job to test, to do it. It's my job to believe. God, I, I believe. And we don't have to deal with these things that the enemy throws at us. You know, one of the, the things that, that drive me, are you guys okay? Are we good to do this today? Are we good? You guys good? So look, man, so addiction, right? Addiction. A lot of you know my story. I've been through quite a, an addiction in my life, right? 15 years of drug addiction, eight years of heroin addiction, $300 a day by the, the height of my addiction, abscess all over my body because of the, the needles and all the bad drugs in my body, right? And, and, and you know what drives me crazy is when I hear people say, once an addict, always an addict. It absolutely drives me nuts. It drives me absolutely bonkers, man. And I don't care how many initials they got off after their name or before their name. I don't receive that report. I receive the report of the king. Because see, listen, the Bible, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It says that I have been crucified. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand stinking new in my life. Everything is new. That addiction is so far gone, I don't even know what that is. It's been dead and gone. It's a whole new life in Christ. The tragedy that I was dealing with in my life had the ability to bring about the reality of my need for Jesus. That's what it had the ability to do. Too often our requests of God don't line up with, with what we've heard about God. And man, when people are dealing with such hard things in their life, trials, tribulations, all these things, when they're dealing with those things, man, I, first thing I say, man, and, and you know, now that I've been in this a while, right, I'm a little bit of a seasoned vet, come on somebody, 40 years young, bam, you know what I mean? It's a big deal for me. I didn't think I was going to make it to 21, for real, for real, 40, I love it. I think it's amazing. People cry about their age. I'm like, I'm so pumped. I'm growing older, baby. So many of my friends are dead and gone from the drugs. My life's just getting started. It's just getting started. But I deal with things walking with people through life, hard things. And nothing shocks me anymore, by the way. I hear really bad reports. And it's funny because the Lord spoke to me a while back, he said, your reaction can spur a reaction from them. I said, okay. So watch how you respond, Keith. You're their pastor. Watch how you respond. Lord, help me. Help me, because I'm devastated when people are going through it. I'm devastated right with you. But now when people come and say things to me, man, I say, okay. This is an opportunity for God to show up and show out. That's what this is. I'm not saying I'm excited in the midst of it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm going to have faith in spite of it is what I'm saying. Because nothing's too big for God. Nothing is too big for him. 
But we have to have ears to hear. We gotta, we have to hear. And our requests have to line up with what we've heard of God. And see, this centurion, man, he had heard all these things. I gotta get moving here, get through this. The centurion had heard all of these things about Jesus and all the miracles that Jesus did. And so when he gets to Jesus, he makes this request. He says, hey, my servant is paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. And I love the exchange that happens after that, right? The exchange is incredible. I love it. Jesus is like, okay, cool. I'll come and heal. Cool. Jesus is always cool with making you making requests. He's crazy cool. He's amazing. He's like, cool, I'll come and heal him. No problem. Let's go. Where are, you, where are we going? Where are we going? And the guy, I love what he says. He says, no, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. See, I'm a man under authority and a man of authority. See, I've got people underneath me that I tell go and they go. I tell them to come and they come. I tell them to do this and they, and they do what I, what I tell them. And so I understand the power of a spoken word. I understand it. So all you got to do is speak it. You ain't even got to come. All you got to do is speak the words and I, I know it'll come to pass. And something that we have to hear. Remember, we got to be hearing, asking God to, to be revealing what he's trying to teach us through these texts and these scriptures. What this man is trying to reveal to you and to me is he is a man of prominence, a man of authority, a man of position. And he would have had all the right connections, every single one of them. He was a, a high Roman ranking official. And the Romans controlled the region. They controlled it. Nothing happened without their say-so. Nothing. And so he would have had every, every advantage that this life could have to offer you. He'd have had it all. He'd had all the money to afford any modern medical treatments for his servant. That would have all been accessible to him. And how this man comes and searches out Jesus tells us something about him. It tells us that, man, he would have went searching other places too. He would have went searching out, exhausting all other, all other remedies. Because, man, he was looking to, to get his servant healed. He was looking to, to save his servant. He was looking to give relief to his servant. He wanted his servant to be made whole. And he would have, he would have searched out all these different possibilities. But when all of them failed, when every single other one failed, he ran to Jesus. Isn't that just like us, though? We exhaust every other possibility. Well, let's switch the plan. Well, we'll save over here a little bit more. We'll, we'll nip and tuck this over here. And we'll, we'll read this book and maybe it'll help us, right? We, we exhaust all these other possibilities and God's just waiting for us to make a request. It's always doing. I'm waiting on you. I'm right here. I'm waiting on you. He exhausts all these other possibilities. And when they failed, he, he runs looking for Jesus. And this is where the Lord showed me in this text that we started with at the beginning, how tragedy has the ability to bring about a reality. See, this paralyzed man was a servant, meaning he wasn't always paralyzed. He wasn't always paralyzed. And the word for suffering there in the Greek means to be tormented, tormented or tortured even unto death is what it means. He's dealing with the tragedy in his home. Something happened. We don't know what it is that happened, but something took place where now this man is suffering and he's dying from the pain and he can't walk. He's completely paralyzed. And the Lord said to me, this is 
where I want you to, to bring about this, this revelation today. How tragedy has the ability. See, see the, the enemy will try to use tragedies to shake our faith. But God will use them to shape our faith. See, the, the enemy will try to use tragedies to separate us from God. But God will use the tragedies to pull us into, into himself. To trust him deeper than we ever have before. This is what tragedy has the ability to do. To bring about the reality of our need for Jesus. Our need. It's a necessity. It's a necessity. The enemy tries to get us to blame God for the tragedies in our lives. Man, God gets blamed for a whole lot that he don't ever do. A whole lot I hear people, well, God, no, no, don't put that on him. He gets blamed for all types of stuff that he has no part in. And see, the, the tragedies that we face, if we allow them, will bring about the reality of our need for Jesus. There are so many things in this life constantly coming up against us, constantly fighting us. And here's what's interesting. We hold so many things in such high regard. We put such premium on things that do not matter. What? Not one iota. Not one bit. Such a high premium on climbing the ladder of success. Such a high premium of seeking fame and fortune. Such a high premium on, on sports and all these other extracurricular activities. Things in, in themselves, in and of themselves, aren't bad things. We make them bad when we put them above Jesus. We make them bad when they become a priority over him. And listen to me, something the church has done very poorly at, super poorly at, us included, is we're not making people understand. We're not letting them hear of what's at stake. What's truly at stake? What's truly at stake? And the reason why is because we're more concerned with getting people in the doors. We want butts in the seats. That's what we want. And so we, we, we preach a gospel that's, oh, it's nice, it's warm, it's fuzzy. Which gospel is all those things? But we leave out the meat and the potatoes of all of it. We, we treat God as if, if God is okay when we put things before him. Like, oh, he understands that, that the sporting thing or this thing or this career thing. or He understands. No, actually, no. Actually, what the Bible says is he is a jealous God. Jealous for you. For all of your attention, your undivided attention, everything within you going after him. Not parts of you, not most of you, every single bit of you. And here's the thing, if someone does put something or someone above God, the Bible says that person is lukewarm and will be spewed out of his mouth. That's the Bible. That's God's word. See, a lot of times we treat salvation like a safety net for sin. That's how we treat it. It's a safety net, just in case. And God's cool with it. God's cool. Hmm. The Bible says something different, completely different than he's cool and okay with it. Jesus says this. He says, crucify yourself daily. 
pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up whatever's plaguing you, whatever's happening to you. Pick that up and still come after me with everything that is within you. God says we are to live a life that is a living sacrifice, crucifying everything unto him. And if we see something starting to take front row over him or precedent over him, we cut it off and shove it to the side. It's gone. We chop it off at the knees. It's finished. Okay, if I can't do it in the right way, I won't do it at all. Won't go at all. No, won't do it. Because he's more important than anything that I enjoy on this earth. He's more important. If people can't tell that we are Christians by the way we are living, then there's a problem. There's a major problem with our walk. Jesus said, people will know you by the fruit of your life. They'll be able to see me through you. No eye has seen God. They will be able to see me because of your love and your pursuit of me. That's how they'll see me. Here's the thing about the church, right? We've, we've, we've made a mistake. We, we made a mistake as if people are to feel comfortable in sin. That's so wrong. Jesus came to give victory over sin, not to make us feel comfortable in the midst of it. And I'm not talking about momentary failures where we, we find ourselves slipping up and we got to hit our knees and we are mourned. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we got to mourn over our sin, mourn over, you know, taking a misstep, mourn over prioritizing our lives in the wrong way. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about we make a decision, a conscious decision to continue to, to live a life of sin. And we know what they are. You know what that is. I ain't got to say it. I thought about giving examples. I thought I'd spare you. This life is about pursuing Christ with everything that is within you, holding nothing back. And tragedy has the ability to draw us unto him, to realize that all these other things in life do not matter. It just doesn't matter. My new house, my new, none of it matters, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. He's the only one that matters. And so if I'm not using every breath to pursue him, if I'm not using every moment to draw me closer to him, then what in the world am I doing? What am I doing? I'm gonna get it to the end of my life and find out that I was an empty, hollow shell of a man. Man, the gospel is convicting and it's pulling hard. It was, it was not, Jesus didn't come to die for us so that we could feel comfortable in living however we want to live. The Bible says, I know who love me by those who obey me. That's the truth. That is the uncensored gospel message for you. Say ouch or say amen. <laughs> Go ahead and stand here. something God has really been putting on my heart is to make sure that we allow things in life as they come to draw us to Him and only unto Him. Only unto Him. Stop putting premiums on things that do not matter. That do not matter. Make sure our home is covered in prayer. Make sure our kids are being raised in the ways of the Lord. Make sure that our kids know that Jesus is first above sports. Come on somebody. Before any of it. 
Jesus is first. You know, it's funny, I, I was reminded of my mother, right? So I was the quarterback of the football team, da da da, da all these things, right? It was all these things. And we, they used to try to do football games on Sundays. My mom said, I'm going to tell you right now, he won't be there till after church. Now, I was the quarterback of the team. The coach said, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, 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 Kathy, he's our quarterback. Everything runs through him. He's got to be here. And if he isn't here for walkthroughs, then he isn't going to play. My mom said, play without him then, if you can. <laughs> she did. She did. So the game was supposed to start at 1230, and I'll never forget it. They would push it to 1245 till I got there to play. Because my mom wasn't about to sacrifice the priority of what life is and what it's really about. She was teaching me at a very young age where to put my premiums, where to put everything and rest everything upon. Our, our houses have to be covered in prayer, covered in worship, showing our kids that, man, it's cool to lay before God and hunger after Him and groan for Him. We will spend time in our, our bedroom. Right now we're living at my in-laws, praise the Lord. They're amazing, by the way, but yeah, they're good to us. But we'll spend time in our bedroom and just begin singing. Just begin singing spiritual songs unto the Lord. God's presence will fill that place like nothing I've ever encountered. God loves when families go after him. Not just when the mom's doing it, not just when the dad's doing it, but when the mom, the dad, the son, the daughter, all of them are going after him together. This is the miracle of salvation, church. This is why Jesus did what he did so that we could live this type of life going after him and hungering for him and pursuing him. Living only unto him. That's the miracle of the gospel. Not that we can do it on our own, but the power of the Holy Ghost living inside of us, breathing and moving within us can draw us unto him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Lord, I just pray right now that by your spirit, that Lord, you would reveal to each and every one of us where our hearts are right now, where our treasure is right now. So that Lord, if there's things out of place, we would be quick to come running unto you. I'll pray that right now. Reveal those place in a convicting way, challenging us to come, to come after you. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Reveal it to us so that we can live for you. And Lord, I thank you that right now you are empowering every person in this place to do that. Lord, and as they fix their hearts and their minds upon you, may the goodness of God draw them to repentance. The kindness of God draw them in. And Lord, I thank you for that that's happening right now in this moment. Hearts are coming after you. Hearts are beating faster and faster and faster. Feeling the pull of, of the Holy Spirit on their life. And I pray that each one of us would give in to that pull. Give in to that pull. 
Lord, touch your people. Bless your people. Let them leave this place different than how they came in with more of a fervor and a desire, a hunger for your righteousness. I pray that right now. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.